I, th- I thought it was good and all that. And uh, now I see online there's people that think that it's a dirty song, and I never thought of it that way. Well, I read it was banned by Dick Clark. You never got an American he, bandstand. Yeah, he, he, he wouldn't play it. He said, this song is dirty, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Mark Kassoff, and this is RPM 45. If all you know about Daddy Dewdrop is this top 10 hit from 1971. If that's all you know about him, then you don't know Daddy Dewdrop. That's okay. I didn't know more than that either until now. His real name is Dick Monda, and he's been in entertainment almost his whole life, including major movies as a teen in the early 50s. He's been around a long time, he's done a lot, and he's got a lot of great stories to tell. And we've got some of them right here. Matt, as a child, I was an actor. I, I, I was in the Eddie Cantor story, and I was Eddie Cantor as a boy. I did five songs in the film, and, you know, was singing and dancing and, you know, stuff like what Eddie Cantor kind of, uh, kind of did. Had a chance to meet Eddie Cantor, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was nice to me. And uh, uh, and I had a wonderful time, you know, and 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 it was uh, it was a very big part at the time, you know, because I was uh, only thirteen, and I had done other films before that. My mom was one of those kind of people, you know, that kind of pushed you a little bit. Stage as, mom. And, yep. Uh huh. And yeah. she uh, um, she made sure that both myself and my sister knew how to sing and dance and stuff. But as as you progress down the down the road, you go out on you go out on more and more calls, and then. The movie uh, Rebel Without a Cause came up, and it all and it, and it was at that time it was coming down to me and Sal Minio, who I knew also, and and uh, if if it was a singing and dancing kind of thing, I would get that because he couldn't do that, but the other kind of stuff he he, he kind of fit in better. So consequently, when I went out for Rebel Without a Cause, was that the same film studio and everything? I thought I had it for sure, you know, but I didn't get it, and of course uh, Sal Minio got it. But after the interview, the uh, uh, casting lady brought me out into the office, and there was a guy sitting in a chair, and his feet were stretched out, and, and he really, he had a hat kind of pulled down over his face, you know. She introduced me to him, and I'm standing there with my hand out, and this guy did not move at all. Well, it was James Dean. Oh, wow. And he didn't even, and, and I looked at her, and she mouthed, he's like that. <laughs> Immediately. I, I immediately went, nobody's like that, <laughs> you know, and it, and it just soured me from that moment on as far as the acting business was concerned. Uh. So, you know, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from his talent. He, he was a very, very talented man, but he wasn't a very nice person, at least from my standpoint. He had the attitude. He did. He did. And... uh so, so it kind of changed me. I did a couple things. I did the Midnight Story after that with uh, Tony Curtis. Now, there was a nice guy. Let me tell you, this guy was one of the nicest people you could possibly imagine. That's great to hear. Now, you're from Cleveland, right? I am. How does someone from Cleveland get into all these this movie stuff? My mom was driven to accomplish something. After I was born, I couldn't handle the cold, and they, they, they knew that there was that they had to do something, so they decided to just pull up and move to California. Oh, wow, that, okay. that was their choice. And uh, that happened when I was about five. And so being there, she she put us in these talent shows and all of this, and, and, and then, 
it led to her befriending Jill St. John's mother. And uh, Jill St. John's mother then gave her other information, and she was able to then acquire an agent for us. And we used to go out on these parts. And, you know, it it was funny because when you go out on those parts, you know, there's every kid there wants to get that part worse than anything in the world, and I just didn't want any any part of it. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you enjoy this? No, no, it was it was not. And I was good at it, but it, but it wasn't an enjoyable part of, of of my life. I liked being on the stage. I liked singing and dancing and all that. But I didn't like this because there's a cloud over it. It has kind of a negativity. It's hard to explain because it, it's such a competitive business. I'm a competitive guy, but only on the things that I want to be competitive on, you know. Uh-huh. And in this case, I didn't particularly care for the people. They weren't really nice people. They were possessed by this. I'm saying all this stuff, you know, people are going to think I'm an idiot, you know. But <laughs> No, not at all. I was, I was possessed. They, they are possessed by something that I was not possessed by. By you know so, but I was really good at it. So I was successful at it as a as a child. But I took the first turn out, man. When I was about sixteen, I think was the last time I did anything. And I just I told my mom I just didn't want to do it. I knew that I was interested in music, and I was you know learning to play the piano and all of that. But I knew I just didn't want to pursue this. And uh, I have since done several movies, but they've always been for friends. And people that uh, um, I like and liked and you know got along with and stuff, and and I can do it. I just didn't like it. So the transition then to music, but you but you did go to college and you did get a degree in math. Right. I was going to teach school. My mom, who you know, I keep coming back to my mom. My mom was such an amazing person, along with these skills that she gave to my sister and I. She went. Four straight years to college, got her degree, taught school for 10 years without one day of high school after the age of 50. Wow. That's, that's an impressive accomplishment. It is. Wow. You know, she, she, she also was driven to do this, and she wanted to teach school. So, so I just thought I would just fall into her, you know, into that same plan and teach school, too, which I never did. I, I applied, and they, they, they wanted me to. Because I had a degree in math, you right. know, which is a little different than most people that teach math. They have a degree in education usually, you know. And so, but my degree was in math. So I, I but I went to work at Lockheed instead, and I was there 17 months. And then I left there, and I went to work at Moonglow Records, which had the Righteous Brothers. And so uh, I read that you were a record promoter. Yes, I was at, at Moonglow Records. I, I promoted records there for Ray Maxwell, who owned the, owned the label, and uh, I, I had a wonderful time. Uh, uh, promoting records, I went all over the place. I drove all over the place. Was in a lot of radio stations and stuff. And because I was producing artists at the same time, I produced uh, a group uh, that was out of uh, Fresno uh, called the, the Cindermen, and it was a, a record called "Don't Do It Some More." And it, it almost made the national charts. I mean, it may have it may have bubbled under the national charts, but uh, it was. It was fairly popular here in Los Angeles, and uh, so it kind of got me going in that direction, and I, I, I became a songwriter. One of the things that caught my eye about your songwriting is, uh, let me tell you, first of all, I am from originally Chicago, and you wrote a hit for the Mods. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. now most people that you talk to probably don't know the Mods, but 
I, being from Chicago, know the mods and that song. <laughs> but I, I thought, oh man, nothing can stop this record. But, you know, it was huge in Chicago, but it never really spread too far after that. So, you know, you're successfully writing songs. I mean, how do you get to, from that to Chickaboom? I had a friend, his name was Richard Delby. And uh, Richard was um, actually responsible for Wipeout. Really? Which was uh, uh, instrumental. Yeah. Cool. And, and it was on his own little label. And, st- and then then he got a, a job. He was like the, the head of, uh, he was the head of a, of, a, of a record company. So all of a sudden, he comes to me one day and he says, hey, look, we got a chance to do the music for a cartoon show that's going to be made. It's by, uh, you know, on Filmation. Well, Filmation was down the street from where I live here in the, in the San Fernando Valley. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, so I, we met with the guy, it was me, and, uh, Richard, and Eddie Fournier. And so we, we met, uh, and then we started doing the music, and, and, and Eddie was writing songs, and I wrote a couple songs, and this and that, and we were doing the music. And then the guy, the head of the company one day, he said, I need to see you guys. And he comes in and he goes, he says, I need a hit record. Now, uh, your, uh, Filmation was also the Archies, so they had Sugar Sugar. So he, he knew the difference between having a record like that, Sugar Sugar, and not having a record, what, what it would do to his cartoon show. Uh-huh. What was the cartoon show? What was that called? It was called The Groovy Gooey. So he says, we need a hit song. I says, I got one. He goes, really? What's it called? I said, Chickaboom. He goes, oh, well, I like that. Just off the top of your head like that? Well, yeah, because uh, you know, in those days, I would I would be driving down the street and I would be singing a um, <laughs> I would be singing um, uh, a Johnny Cash song and it would be going so so I said chickaboom. He goes, oh, I oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And I, I says, he says, how does it go? <laughs> okay, I sang that. And meanwhile, Richard and Eddie are looking at me like their jaw is on the floor, you know, and, 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 and he leaves, the guy leaves, and I go, don't worry about it, he's never going to remember that. He's never going to remember I was singing I Walked the Line. He's never going to know. And he didn't, and he didn't, because by the time I wrote the song, it did. It was nothing like that. Of course, it was a, a it was a totally different thing. So, so, um, but my 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 wife actually helped helped on on the writing of it, and that's why I give I, I give her the the songwriting credit because I had enough of uh, credits of my own. Uh huh. I had the chorus, Jake the Boom, Jake. Yeah. Don't you just love? Yeah, I had that. Yeah. yeah. So where did the rest of it come from? <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go. There was a joke that went like this. Um, this guy dies, and he goes, he happens to go to hell instead of to heaven. And so he's um, down there, and the uh, the devil is, is there, and he looks in this room, and there's millions and millions of people, and they're all standing up, drinking coffee, but there's feces right up to the bottom of their bottom lip. They're all standing in this big room, and he's going, well, that's pretty awful, but all they're doing is drinking coffee, you know, so that's okay, you know. Oh, 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 the, 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 the devil gave him three choices. That, there's that room, 
There's this other room over here where people were just getting whipped. And, and, and another room where fire was all over them and, and they could hardly stand up and they were dancing on eating because, well, I don't want the fire. And I still don't want to be whipping me. I think I'll take the coffee drinking <laughs> thing first. So he goes, I'll take that. He goes, okay, take, take, uh, take, take the spot over here, 17, number 17. It's right there, you know. So he, he gets there and he's there and they give him the coffee. And the minute he starts sipping, <laughs> the devil comes in and he goes, okay, everybody. Sit down and get back to work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a funny story. <laughs> I never heard that one. Three, that's where I got the three doors idea. All I saw were three doors and the top of her bikini. I made it through the first door. There was a party going on. It just kind of came, you know. It was, it was just that. Was just, like I said, it was between me and my wife. You know, we 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 worked it out and. uh, uh I I, th- I thought it was you know it was it was good and all that and uh, now I see online there's people that think that it's a dirty song and I never thought of it that way. Well, I read it was banned by Dick Clark. That you never got an American he, band. Yeah, he, he he wouldn't play. It. He said this song is dirty and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I I wish I would have had a chance to say what what is it that you're hearing because. I thought I was writing a nursery rhyme, <laughs> you know. You know, I never thought of it. And some guy wrote online about it being um, G-rated porn. <laughs> G-rated porn, which I've never, I've never heard that expression before. And, and I, I, I don't understand. I don't. But maybe it's something I'm missing. Maybe it's because it never ever occurred to me. It, it gives me a funny feeling, you know. I have kids, you know, I have grandkids, you know. So I, I wouldn't uh, subject them to any. So what is the true meaning? If these people have it all wrong, what's the true deep meaning of this song? Gobbledygook. (laughs) 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 You know, if you remember correctly, it's back in those days when they were writing songs that you couldn't, what the heck are they talking about? Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. You remember that? Of course. And it was back in those days... And so I figured, well, I can write songs that you're going to go, what the heck is he talking about? And that was, that was it, you know? But it's uh, fun. It's yeah, a but, fun song. But, but fun, yeah. From the get-go, even in the studio when the, when the track was just going down, I, I could tell. I could tell. You know what? When I started my podcast, which was like back in June, you were one of the first people I wanted to talk to. Because to me, it took me a while to figure out how to connect with you. But your song, to me, is like kind of the magic of pop music. Put it on the turntable. It's different. It pops right away. Last night I had a crazy dream about a chick in a black bikini. It takes you to a new place you've never been before. I mean, the whole thing was just energy and freshness and something unexpected. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that from the first instant that those guys played the first note. And I mean, they were they were three tremendous players with a, with huge backgrounds, and they just they just knew what to do. I didn't say a word to them. I mean, I played the song for them, you know, on the piano. I, I I never I never like the way that the guy played the bass. He went You know, I mean, just maybe those are not things that you, that, that the normal person hears, but it just 
moved it along with such a and then the the the, the drummer you know because he played on uh, come and get your love you know so he 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 wasn't the person that didn't understand what to do you know he he knew what to do yeah he, he did and then and then the keyboardist who uh that's what i like, like i said he's 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 Neil Diamond's music director. I like the way it starts. I like the way it starts. It takes you right there. You know, it's just like you're in it right from the get-go. Well, okay, I'll give you a... It goes... Exactly. Like that? Yeah. Basically, that's... Which is Rescue Me, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the same kind of thing, only the feel is different. Da, 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 da. I love it, yeah. So they felt it right away. Did you feel it right away? Did you think that, oh, yeah? I, I No, I knew it was what I wanted. I didn't know whether anybody else was going to like it. I couldn't tell. Yeah, well, I guess it was a pleasant you know, surprise. You know, I, I had had so many recordings. I'd already had Soul Drippings, and I thought that that was going to be the biggest, you know, but this was you, though. I mean, this is you, and you, and also, I mean, your vocal is it's just the attitude. It's just cool, you know. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks. I, 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 I just had a. Feel. In fact, you know, I, I made the statement to somebody at, at that time. I said, if this is not a hit, I'm going to quit. Really? <laughs> well, you know, I'd had maybe by that time I'd I may have had fifty songs recorded by other artists. You know, at that time, uh -huh. and, and I. I really had not really touched anything that w went into the top ten. You know, I had a lot of famous artists sing my songs, mm -hmm. but that—that's not the whole story. You know, you need—you need, you need um, something special that will touch the masses, and this did. Yes, this—this this really touched the masses. It still does to this day. Yeah, and uh, um, it was—it was—it was a long, convoluted story, but that's—that's um, that's really what happened. And it's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and my name was on the wall. And I, I, re, I remember, I remember going out, seeing a big sign, "No photography." So I went outside, and there was this uh, lady. She was a, a guard, and she's, she's sitting there, kind of looking sternly, you know, at me, you know, as I walked up to her. I said, "Listen, my name is on the wall in the other room in there." Can I take a picture of it? I know it says no photography. She goes, "Who are you?" I says, "Well, I'm uh, I'm the guy who did Chicka Boom." She goes, "Your daddy Dewdrop, <laughs> ma'am. If I was going to lie to you, I'd have told you I was Jimmy Hendrix." <laughs> 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 she said, "You can go do it." <laughs> so I did it. So I have those pictures at home, linked to my name on the wall. I've I've been there once, um, and so you're you're in the section, the one hit wonders, one hit wonders. Just your name or your record too? No, just the name. It says Daddy Dewdrop, uh, Chicka Boom. Okay. Don't you just love it? Yeah. Okay. Now let me ask you about this one hit wonder thing because I've got an attitude about it. Well, what's your attitude about it? About how, about being a one hit wonder? Yeah. Well, what what it is 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 if if it's a, if it's a song like Chicka Boom, you're not going to be able to follow. You you, you can't follow up Chicka Boom. But in my particular case, I had the fastest moving record in the charts. The follow up it was called Fox Hunting on the Weekend, it, and it really could have done it. And 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 it had kind of a similar kind of um, of a thing, and it blasted into the charts. But 
the guy who was promoting the records for the record company was having a fight with the guy who owned the record company because his brother was on the label and he and he called up radio stations and told them if you want an exclusive on the next Osmond Brothers record you got to take that record off oh yeah I, I went in and I said to him I said why did you do that just don't worry about it Dickie you'll have a lot of it oh. maybe not my record went from the fastest moving record on the charts to off in one week. But you know what? Um, I mean, to me, it's like, because for some people, it seems to become like a, almost a negative thing. And I think to myself, what percentage of people in this world have had a hit record? Very few. A very few. A record like that. <laughs> very like few. That. I think it's a great achievement. It's like getting a... Um, um, you know, a basis loaded home run. Right. It does happen. Right. Right. Exactly. It's a home run. It's it's a, a, a phenomenal achievement. Hardly anyone ever does it. You have it, and you have it forever, you know? Yeah, that, that, that they can't take it away from me. I mean, I've said that, you know, over and over to people, you know, because the first thing out of people's mind, mouths is, uh, well, how much money did you make? I go, you know, it's not about money, but if you really want to know, not much. You know, the point of it is, you could, there's too many people with their hands out in in line, you know, that, that see the money first. Yeah. And uh, it and a little, a little might trickle down to you, but more than anything else, they cannot take it away from you that, you, that, that your name is on it. And that's how I look at it. You know what? So I told you I've been doing this since June, talking to a lot of interesting people. Right. And that is the number one thing that I've learned from doing this podcast is we all think that anyone who has a hit record made a ton of money off it, and I've learned that's not the way it works. No, well, there's too many, especially in the beginning. If, if your hit record came, <clears throat> I'm not talking about Tom Petty, you know, who right. had a million hit records. <clears throat> but if it comes in, and usually a, a big one like that, when it happens and it's right at the beginning of your you don't have things set up. You don't have anything, any protections against the people that are going to grab it. And all these stories, you know, the Chuck Berry stories and the Little Richard stories, they're all true. Yes. You know? Yes, I've they're, certainly they're learned that. It. It's almost like the rule rather than the exception, I think, you know, is what I'm learning. It is. At least. But they can't take away the, those accomplishments that Little Richard and, and Chuck Berry had. That's whether right. they took money away from them or not. What does it mean in the short term then after the record hits for you? I mean, are you touring? Are you what? What's going on? No, because I'm a married man with children and uh, all of that. I I didn't put together a, a band and go out. I, I did some some promotional shows. You know what I mean? I uh -huh. did a show in in uh, Augusta, Georgia, with a band I never met ten minutes before I walked onto the stage. And um, you, you know, you know, you can't you can't do a rock and roll show that way. You got to be your your band. I mean, I produced a lot of bands, and you know, they they rehearse their shows before they walk out there. And uh, I so I didn't have a chance to do that, but but I did the show anyway because uh, because the radio station asked me to do it, and they were nice to me, so I'm going to do it. You know, so and I, and I and I could do it, I could have done it, but. He, to be quite honest with you, the road is a magnet. It's a magnet to doing everything you shouldn't do. And I knew that had I gone out on the road and done that, 
that I may never have come home. Mm. And that's the and that's the thing that uh, that's the thing that that bothered me and made me think about it the most. So I never did it. Yeah, it didn't change your lifestyle, huh? I wanted to end up where I am right now. You know, where I'm a, a grandfather and I see my grandchildren and I. I, I, I do what, what I feel is, is, is really life to me. Plus, I have a studio at home here, and I'm forever going in the studio and making another little record and, and listening to it and playing it for myself. <laughs> well, I read that you have 600 recordings of your music. I do, yeah. Wow. I listened to one this morning. I ain't never been a white man. I thought that was excellent. I ain't never seen, ain't never seen a white man. I never seen yeah. a white man. Right, sorry. It's a great message. Wolfman did that song. Did he? Yes. Okay. He, he did. He did a pretty good version of it too. He, uh, on his uh, on his album, I don't know what the title of the album is, but you can see it on YouTube also. Okay, I'll you check can, it you out. Can, you can, and you know when he goes, "As your child was white," and in the background, you know the uh, the blossoms, the people that sang with Elvis Presley, you know, and because uh, huh. I produce I produced that record and. Uh, he, he he did a great job with it. I thought for sure, holy crap, man, this this is going to be it. You know, the Wolfman Jack singing a song. I ain't never seen a white man, and it's it's perfect, you know. But I don't think people, I don't think they understand it. Oh, that's too bad, but it's excellent, and, and you sound great on it too. Thank you. So it sounds like you got a pretty good life going. You know, I enjoy myself because I I don't sp- I don't spend my life worrying about. You know where my next meal is going to come from, and uh, what am I going to do to make money? I don't even think about that, only because I'm lucky. You know, I've been lucky, and I uh, was able to, you know, save my money as a young person and buy a, a couple of houses. I, I have one of my houses that three of my grandchildren live in. Oh wow! Nice. I mean, not, not with their mother; they're they're adults. Yeah, they they, they live there because. It's so difficult to afford rent today. Yeah. Which I don't have now. It, you know, it worked out very well for you. You had a hell of a career. I, I did. You know, I had I did a lot of stuff. It, it didn't amount to um, any, you know, great wealth or anything, you know, but uh, I'm all right. I just look for the, the things that try to make me happy. That's awesome. Huh? You're ahead of the game. I you, think so. Yes, you are. So. Yes, you are. I think so. Wow! I, I, I enjoy I enjoy myself. I, there's nobody on the planet that eats better than I do. <laughs> because my wife is a fantastic cook. You know? Is she Italian but, too? But I, no, 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 she's not. Farthest, farthest thing from but has it. Has she know? learned how but, to cook Italian? Oh yeah, she was she was thrown right into the fire. You know when 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 she met me. You know, and uh, I mean she did she did um, she made changes in her life to to for me, and uh, I could never. I could never look for anything else, uh, you know, for something that could possibly hit me better than that. And so, when you when you start looking at your life, you got to count all of those things too, all those blessings. You Absolutely. Know? And, uh, and I and I do, and and even with my son, you know, my special needs son, he he brings a a source of great humor to to my life. In fact, uh, do you have time for one little story? Of I'll course. tell you. And and, yeah. and and this is only one of a thousand. Go for it. I I was I was producing a guy. And um, his manager was, you know, one of those guys, you know. <laughs> you know the guys I'm talking about. Anyway, so he was from back in New Jersey, you know, and stuff. So 
I we 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 had a meeting, and the meeting was at the Villa Capri. Now I don't know if you never heard of the Villa Capri, but in Los Angeles, that's where all those guys hung out. So I said, okay. So, I, but on this particular day, I had my son with me. He was only about five or six years old. Now he's in his fifties, right? But he mm-hmm. was about five or six years old. I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know what he looked like or anything, but I knew what my friends looked like. So I see my friends. They pull up in the, in a car, and out of the car. Right, the first one out of the car was this guy, not 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 very tall, but stocky, with the most beautiful white sweater on I'd ever seen in my life. You know, which just looked like it cost a million dollars. Anyway, we sit down. They we got the the, the plates of food in front of us, and I says, "Up, oh, I forgot, I forgot." I said, "Could you give me a little?" Because it was an Italian restaurant. I said, could, "Could you give me a a little plate of shells?" with some tomato sauce on for him, you know. It's like, oh, sure, yeah. So come back with a little saucer, you know, with some shells in it. Well, no sooner did Mike see that than he put his hands in that and put his hands right on that guy's sweater. Oh, my God. I almost died. I went, oh, please, I'll I'll take it right to the cleaners right now. Just just take it off. I'll I'll run to it. And and he's looking at me like I'm, I'm, I'm a crazy person. He goes, hold on a minute. Are you talking about this? And he points to his sweater. I said, well, yeah, I'll take it. I'll get it clean. I, I, I he says, I wash my shoes with this. <laughs> I don't care about this. I care about this. And he reached over and he grabbed my son around the head. And he said, I'm going to take you home with me. It changed my life. Oh, wow. It changed his life. And I saw that guy for another 10 years. And, and, it, and Just and to be he, clear, if anyone's not getting it, you thought he was a wise guy, right? right? Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, I didn't think. I knew. I oh, okay. Knew. <laughs> whatever whatever uh, path you choose in life is, is your path. You know, it, it's, uh, you, nobody can, can really fault you. You don't, know, you, don't, you don't know what makes people do what they do. You know, but you knew right away that the guy had a huge heart. Yeah. You know, you, you knew that because it was, it was the scariest moment of my life. I bet. <laughs> but my, my son, Michael... Has, has given me many, many moments like that in my life. Moments that you normally would not have with a child, you know? Yeah. And wow. um, uh, I, I count all of those things like blessings. And, uh, um, um, you know, my, the fact that I only really had my father for uh, 13 years. I was only 13 when he passed away, but I had the, the, those formative years, and he was a fantastic guy. And and uh, then my mom went four straight years to college yeah. after the age of fifty. It was an amazing person, you know. Yeah, wow. So I've been surrounded by amazing people, and I, and I cherish all the, all of that. Yeah. Well, hey, I think you're an amazing guy. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. I hope I hope I didn't blabber on. No, don't worry. And besides, I'm good at editing, so don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a great guy, Dick Monda, aka Daddy Dewdrop. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of RPM 45.